Hi friends, welcome back to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. If you are new here, I'm your host, Nicolette Richet, founder and CEO of a collection of super tasty and highly nutritious whole food, plant-based, 100% organic restaurants called The Green Mustache in Canada. And we now have six locations in full operation with one more waiting to be birthed this summer in Edgemont Village in North Vancouver. And this will be opened by a wonderful woman named Jillian, who's a nutritionist and a mother of five children and who has so many other gifts to offer the world and her customers. And we'll be sure to share her story with you later on her very own podcast once she's up and running and serving that nutritious and delicious food to her Edgemont customers. If you've been here before and checked out our show, I hope you enjoyed our episodes with the health savvy guests that we've had on our show. We've had everyone from Howard Strauss, who's the founder of the Max Gerson Foundation and the Gerson Health Media. He's also the son of Charlotte Gerson and the grandson of Dr. Max Gerson himself, who researched and designed the Gerson therapy that has helped hundreds of thousands of people around the world reverse chronic disease of all kinds including end-stage cancer. And we talk a lot about the Gerson therapy on our podcast because that is what I've been teaching thousands of clients over the last decade, for over a decade now, who have gone around to successfully reverse their chronic diseases. Another one of our shows that you should be sure to check out is the one with Andrew Spudfit Taylor. This was from way back in the day when we did not have great audio or a beautiful sound room like the one we use at the Whistler FM studios that's been kindly offered to us. So the sound isn't as great, but you're still going to enjoy that podcast because it is amazing. And it's all about how Andrew reversed his chronic illnesses, including clinical depression Um, and um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and a host of other chronic illnesses. And on top of that, he lost tons of weight that was just bringing him down. And he did it all by eating only the entire beautiful, infamous potato, just the potato for an entire year. So check out that show and also the show that I did a few weeks ago with Dr. Zach Bush. MD as we discuss the synergies that exist between physician and farmer suicide rates and how we can put an end to both of these devastating losses to humanity and how we can do that simply by regenerating our soil and the microbiome that exists within the soil that will then help to regenerate the microbiome in our bodies and in and around our bodies. So check out that amazing podcast. We have so many great shows with such inspiring people, which brings us to today's show with an incredible human being who's also a dear friend and whose beauty, knowledge, generosity, and universal love has captivated me since the day I met her. People around the world know her as KC or Mama K or lovingly as Crispy or by her given name, Kristen Campbell. So Kristen has been teaching yoga for over two decades, decades, and she also co-founded Neo Alpine Yoga, which was Whistler's first yoga studio, which is now known as Y Yoga. She also created and is the lead trainer for Tri Yoga in the UK, Yoga Moves in New Zealand, and she's the creator and director of Tapasya. I hope I'm saying that right. Hot Yoga, which we'll dive into more in this show. 
Now, Kristen also co-founded the Shamanic Yoga Institute. She's a Lululemon ambassador and a Wanderlust presenter. And she was also voted for several years in a row as the best yoga teacher in Squamish, BC, where she is both a lifelong student and teacher of life and well-being and where she lives in Squamish, BC and teaches and breathes and shares Ayurvedic lifestyle practices. On top of all of these entrepreneurial feats, Kristen is also an incredible double mama. I hate saying single mama uh, when you're raising a kid and you'll get to learn in this show how she balances it all by making sure she puts her life mask on herself first each morning. You'll be able to learn these tips and tricks so that you can also adopt these daily practices and rituals into your life and bring more meaning, understanding, awareness, zen, life, and healing into your day each day. Lastly, Kristen is also the co-founder and owner of Squamish Water Kefir. So stay tuned as we discuss the health benefits of making and drinking kefir beverages and kefir-infused foods. So listen up, be well, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Kristen. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show because I have known you for, it's been over a decade or so, more than that, or maybe even two decades now. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm super excited to have you on the Eat Real to Hill podcast because we have so much to talk about. Um, you know, you and I are both fellow entrepreneurs. We're both moms. Uh, we both love healthy food. We're both yoga instructors, though you have been teaching yoga um, and doing probably a thousand times more yoga than I have over the past few decades. So let's jump into yoga first before we talk about you being this incredible entrepreneur in your company Squamish Water Kefir. So how and when did you get into yoga and why? Mm. Let's say that I started a really dedicated practice in 1997 when I was studying silversmithing in San Miguel de Allende. I know. What is silversmithing? Well where you fabricate silver jewelry from from the raw. Oh, so in the raw. I've never heard it. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful. Term yeah. As, a, as opposed to, say, uh, casting mm. um, from molds. So I had tried yoga, like I dabbled in a, well, actually, a friend taught me a couple poses and in Halliwell Park on Hornby Island. And I was like, oh, yeah, like it just felt so, I felt like coming home. Mm. And, um, but I wasn't the type of, I'm not the type to, study out of a book and teach myself yoga. So it wasn't until I found a formal class that I got really hooked and I decided that's it, I'm in. And at the time I was working in the film industry and um, I was looking for balance, obviously. And um, as soon as I started, made that commitment, I was, I, it was like my primary commitment every day. And it just seemed to, my universe just made room for it, including the TV series that I was working on. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take the show as long as I get to do my yoga. And I was shocked to be, to realize that I was supported by the production manager and I just kept rolling and decided that I wanted to teach. And so did my first teacher training in 2000 with Bikram Chowdhury down in LA. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? 
um, well, it was a bit like <laughs> being herded by like cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like two, hundreds of people. 208 in people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like an inch of space between mats and, um, it was wild. I learned a lot about, um, perseverance and being with myself. That's for sure. I didn't so much learn how to teach. I learned a scripted monologue mm-hmm. and, um, but that was great for me at that time. Um, I think I needed that type of foundation, something I could recite because I was really nervous about speaking in public, as most people are. Um, and s- yeah, so through the experience of of that nine weeks down there, um, I just, yeah, I, I think that the main take- takeaway was learning how to be with myself, seeing myself um, head on in a mirror for 90 minutes twice a day and and making friends with all that came up the good the bad the ugly yeah that definitely happens in yoga teacher training I know when I did mine it was a very similar experience and um, it's amazing how it moves you on not just that spiritual and physical level but Mm -hmm. the emotional mental level as well it's something um, my, as you know, Jaden, my 14 year old daughter did her yes. yoga teacher training this summer. We tried to get her to do it, um, with you and she ended up doing it with, uh, Julia McCabe, uh, McCabe. And, um, but it was actually really fascinating watching Jaden go through that experience for so many weeks and such intensity. And I think she was doing like three to four hours of yoga a day, plus all the reading that she had to do. And as a 14 year old, that was pretty intense to watch but Mm -hmm. also beautiful to watch as well and at the end of it what came out of it is that every 13 year old 14 year old 12 year old person really should go through a yoga teacher training I mean (laughs) I wish that I landed on yoga at her age it would have probably saved me a lot of battle wounds for sure along the way oh for myself as well yeah and as a teacher trainer, I, I do get to witness people coming to teacher trainings thinking that they're going to learn how to, the technical uh, skills of how to teach and lead, which absolutely that's part of it. But more so, I think people are floored by the personal transformation that happens. They're like, what? I didn't realize I was going to really get to know myself on such a intimate level you know and to be able to share that in a group is just like wow yeah it's, pretty it's so special yeah. and you must see students come through at all ages because you're teaching all around the world as well mm-hmm. you host these yoga teacher trainings in the UK and um, I'm going to uh the Netherlands at the end of the month um as well as London so that's been kind of an annual pilgrimage I've been taking since 2013 which is so wonderful. Wow. So you yeah. have taught students all over the world. Um, and is it the same experience for somebody who's 60 coming into it versus somebody who's 21 coming into it um, with that, let's, you know, that realization about who we are and um, that emo- more of that emotional, mental transformation? Well, I think the young ones, and I've never had anyone as young as Jaden, Um the young ones, I think, are confronted with how could I possibly, who am I to teach? I don't know anything. I'm surrounded by all these people that must have a clue. Mm-hmm. And and then on the other end of that, the, the older trainees are being confronted with 
their limiting belief around their age and I'm not as flexible as the the 20-year-olds. And so, you know, it's just a bit of a sea of (laughs) self-doubt. Self-doubt Ebbing and flowing, yeah. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, yeah. self-doubt, we're faced with that every single day of our lives in all areas. And then you bring it into a yoga studio, right? Where oh, you have to look yeah. at yourself and see what your body's capable of. Yeah. So And really meet yourself where you are and just, I mean, I think the only option is to to give into it, to let it be. Because what else, what else are you going to fight it the whole time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I love about showing up on the mat mm-hmm. and um, just seeing what it is going to be for that day. So with the self-doubt piece, so at what point um, did you open up your own studio? Because you opened up the first Neo-Alpine Yoga in Whistler a long time ago. Yeah, well, I actually didn't open it per se. I um, partnered in this, in an already existing studio. It was very new at that time. Um, I actually bought... Stephen Thomas out of his partnership with Patrick Krillman. Um, the studio opened in 2001 and then um, less than a year later I became a partner and uh, then um, was an owner, co-owner till 2010 when my daughter Frankie was born. Um, I partnered with Y Yoga actually in 2008 and then um, it's now called Neo Whistler mm-hmm. and uh was a studio director for a couple of years before I decided that I wanted to be a mama to just one baby. Yeah, not yeah. two babies. Yeah, so ever since I've been more freelance teaching, now I teach public classes solely in Squamish, where I live, and then traveling for teacher trainings and retreats, and also teaching some locally as well. And in the time that I was in Whistler, we started off the studio as a as a Bikram studio. It was called Bikram's Neo Alpine Yoga. And shortly thereafter, within like a year, we took the Bikram name off, called it Neo Alpine Yoga. As we started to uh, teach other styles of yoga, it became a multidisciplinary studio. And um, we added this. The second teacher training that I did was Baptiste Power Vinyasa, which is a warm power vinyasa practice, which was a, I think, like a obvious transition or or obvious um you know like for somebody who likes intensity and um shortly thereafter I was introduced to Anasara yoga which is a hatha style of yoga rooted in a tantric philosophy and um I went on to become certified in Anasara yoga though I never actually went for my certification um and so the way that i was teaching the way that i practiced bikram and power vinyasa started to shift to um i would say much my approach changed because what i realized is that um those early years when i started on the mat what was presented was a lot of self-loathing and um, I think that I, I felt, as, as a lot of us do, not enough. And so I really, I would say I've attacked my practice like a ferocious tiger. Mm. And I found myself in a perpetual state of chronic pain. And um, way too much pitta, my pitta dosha um, was, I was on fire basically from the inside out. And I realized that, wait a minute, this 
it's not the yoga that's creating this imbalance and this hardening and discomfort in my body. It's actually my approach to the yoga. And so when I discovered Anasara Yoga and where we always step would step on the mat and ask why are we here first and would open to grace and um, put intention behind why we're there. I realized that why we're here informs how we show up and it matters when you bring meaning into it, things, things change. So if I was there for like self-love and self-healing, I wasn't going to attack my practice like a ferocious tiger anymore. And, you know, like it took me a long time to understand the different, the spectrum of pain, like what is a good pain to be confronted (laughs) to confront and what is sharp and jabby and maybe like you're actually abusing yourself on your mat took a long time a lot of visits to the physio and the chiro and the massage um and the counselors (laughs) to to figure it out you know um and so what came from that is around 2008 I started to play around with how I was teaching hot yoga based on my lived experience and based on what I was seeing in the world of hot yoga at that time. And I thought, well, if I'm having this experience, other people might be as well. And I started creating my own style of hot yoga, which I now call tapasya hot yoga. Tapasya means to have the willingness to endure intensity for the sake of transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I travel to teach these teacher trainings, often it's, or usually these are tapasya hot yoga teacher trainings. Um, Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I love the, I love the definition of tapasya because it actually, I didn't know that about you actually, and that Mm. you had created your own style of hot yoga, but it seems very fitting for you because you're someone who endures intensity for the sake of transformation in lots of different areas of your life Mm -hmm. Um, from, you know, everything from going down and, you know, at the time I remember, you know, being 2000, I was in India, um, practicing yoga for the first time. And I found a yoga teacher who was this like 80 year old Indian man. Um, he was about five foot two and he had me stare at a wall for about two weeks and he had me focus on my drishti focal point. And I, until he saw that I can maintain that deep focus not just at the wall but further and within that was the first moment where I could actually do my first asana and then everything moved very very slowly and I was like come on I know there's all these asanas and Mm. I want to be practicing when are we going to do down dog and it was really all about that and so here you were getting trained um going through the intensity of the training and then um, being a partner in a yoga studio. And then you went on and had a daughter um, and which you are now a double mama. I hate to use the word single moms because double moms tend to do a lot more work. Um, And you also have a new business as well, which is a few years old now, which Mm -hmm. is Squamish Water Kefir. So I do love that definition of the term enduring for the sake of transformation and you've transformed in so many ways since I've known you it's been incredible to watch so let's talk about your daughter for a little bit because um, here you are in the world of teaching yoga and traveling and um, from what I know you have a pretty good relationship with um, Frankie's dad so you know your co-parents in the raising of this beautiful child but what is it like to raise a child um, 
in this day and age with the knowledge you have around yoga and self-awareness and breath work and nutrition and healing? How, how is that for you as a mama and how mm. do you approach that? Mm. You know, I think when you have, um, or when I, I'll speak for myself, how about that? <laughs> um, when, when Fra- Frankie was born, it was just this whole new level of, you know, this, this is my time to, it's like a rite of passage. And I can easily get distracted um, from the hard work or to avoid pain and suffering. But when you have a, when you have a kid, or at least when I had my daughter, I was like, oh man, okay, I, I really got to work on my stuff. I got, I got to get it. I got to do better. And so it was really this call to action. And um, so I've been able to commit to things that I, that I never really thought that I had the, the willpower, if you will, to or discipline to. I went from somebody who needed to practice in a studio where I could shut the door with a teacher so I would, wouldn't have access to my phone to... I know how important, you know, a common um, a common theme running in the wellness community these days is like learn how to put on your oxygen mask first, especially as, as moms. We tend to take care of everyone else first. So I put on my oxygen oxygen mask every morning by um, going to going to bed early and getting up super early at the crack of dawn this morning it was 10 to 5 I woke up before my alarm and and what does early to bed mean nine o'clock okay because yeah. I, I was just talking to another mom yesterday and I was explaining to her how you know I like to be in bed by 9 30 10 and you know that's you know for me that's going to bed that's early and she for, for everybody who's on this podcast listening it's true yeah well and done, she was Nikki. like early to bed like oh for her early to bed was like 11 30 12 yeah. 1 a.m which I yeah. used to be like yeah. that until I burnt myself out yeah you can only do that for so long but totally you know and I studied Ayurveda with an amazing teacher named Kate Stillman. I did her Living Ayurveda program twice. And, you know, it talks about the daily rhythms, the cycles of the day. And if you stay up past 10, your pitta dosha, your fire dosha, where things are moving, is kicks back in. So we say, I, I know that I would get my second win. We hear it all the time. Oh, I get my second win at 10 o'clock or I'm burning the candle. Well, yeah, you're burning your fire, your agni to keep you awake where, and it's taking away from the fire of digestion and not just digesting your food, but your life experience, that process. So um, I made a commitment even before Frankie was born to go to bed at 10 p.m. So it was before 10. But now, I mean, you know, when when you're pinning it all day, Going to bed with your kid, reading after you read a book, it's hard to get back up again. I used to get back up and work. And then I realized, like, actually, if I don't get to all my emails in my inbox, life still goes on. So after <laughs> I've done, I think last night we we do a little meditation before bed. And it was 10 to 9 when we turn the lights out. Wow. So, so it's yeah. you and Frankie that did the meditation. Yeah, she does one every night. Bodhi Tree and Stacy. Bodhi Train um, Stacy. Yeah, she's done it every day for two and a half years. Wow! And what is it? Tell, explain. It's what it um, is. it's a meta meditation, loving kindness, um, um, crafted by 
uh, Stacy. Totally blanking on her last name right now. We'll find but it she, and put it in the show. Yeah, notes. she lives in Squamish, and she has a little series called The Bodhi Tree and Stacy, and they're lovely meditations. And at the end of each one, you take ten conscious breaths. So I love that. I begin mm-hmm. my day with breath awareness, and I finish my day with breath awareness. Usually, Frankie's sawing logs by that point. It works. Yeah, that's amazing that you take the time to do that with your kids. Because I know for me, sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like so done. I'm so exhausted where I can't wait to get into bed, read a book. Um, But then sometimes the thought of, you know, if I'm lucky, I'm lucky to get their teeth brushed at night Mm -hmm. and, you know, jump into bed and then lucky to even be able to read a couple pages before it's like they need to be asleep. And so to have that dedication as a parent to introduce meditation into their life and to give that to them consistently for two and a half years is really She asked for it. Like she, Stacy Tucker, that's who it is. Um, You know, I, I shared a yoga nidra with her And the next day she said, Mom, can you play that yoga poem again? And that's how it started because she used to get, and still does sometimes, she would experience anxiety at the beginning of each new school year. She has a new teacher every year, a new classroom dynamic. And and so it's just been ongoing. It's the only way she can unwind. So even when we're camping, even when she has birthday sleepover, she's like, Mom, can you put on the meditation? I love that. And it's with my kids as well. Um, when they were babies, I used to chant different, you know, scan- mm. Sanskrit verses to them. And um, and they would memorize them and say them back. Like we have videos of them. They're so sweet. Like, you know, saying these beautiful verses. They didn't know what they meant. All they know. And I know that they felt good mm-hmm. um, chanting to them or mm-hmm. chanting them. And then what was interesting is as they got older, they didn't want it anymore. They're like, stop, mom. I don't want to hear that. But then now that they're 11, 12, 13 years old, it's interesting because they just go and they'll grab an iPad and put the music on and you know there's no iPads in the room no phones in the room and so but they have it outside their bedroom door and they'll be playing like Diva Pranmal's um, the Gayatri Mantra and it's so beautiful because you can see that their bodies need it Mm. they're aware of what they need and Mm -hmm. so um, they give that to themselves now but we have to expose them to that first and to show them that there's another way beyond just often freaking out or being anxious, um, you know, that there's these tools, there's, there's breath work, there's chanting, there's meditation, there's, you know, just laying down sometimes. Yeah. And it's really important for us as parents, I think, that we show our kids these, these tools because I'm sure you see it all around you that there's adults out there that don't have any of these tools right. to go to. Exactly. When they're yeah. in these anxious, tired, exhausted, yes. overworked states. Yeah. Yesterday, I was um, listening to, uh, uh, on SoundCloud, I was listening to a group called Ambrita, and Frankie came in from playing in the park, and she started playing around with the playlist and deciding, like, what songs should I play, that should be played at the beginning of the yoga class, and then the middle, and then the end, and it's like, oh, wow. Because she's been coming and sitting in classes, but she'll roll it on map, but she won't practice, Mm -hmm. and I'm like... I bet you it's only a matter of time before she starts doing the whole series. Oh, it's amazing. For sure. Like, it's in them. Right? Oh, it's in them entirely. And I know for myself, my husband and I, we've gone to different yoga studios 
And sometimes we don't have childcare, and so we'll have one of our girls with us. And there's been a few studios that have been like, no, no kids in the class, which I I can completely Mm -hmm. get because I guess not all kids are calm, not all kids are, you know, quiet. But, you know, we assure them, you know, like our kids are quiet and they'll be like, no, no students before the age of 12 or no students before the age of 18. And it's been interesting because, um, well, of course, we only go to the studios where they allow kids. And Mm -hmm. every studio that's ever allowed our children to come, I mean, our kids are on the mat. So whether they're just sitting there cross-legged and, you know, looking around. But most of the time, like even our seven-year-old will do about, you know, 60 out of a 90-minute class, like if, you know, we go. And what's happened over the years, like little Sadie's seven, and she just did a full 90-minute class the other day. And, um, you know, and Jaden will do a full class, obviously. I mean, she's you know, certified to teach now and yeah. Hazel, no problem as well. Like, and we can take her and, and it's just been really, really um, awesome to see it. And we haven't pushed it on them. It's more, you know, like, Hey, we're going to yoga. We don't have a place where mm-hmm. you can go. So you're coming with us. You mm-hmm. don't have to do it. But then, I mean, they're there. It's, it's almost like the Suzuki method of music. It's the Suzuki method of yoga where, you know, the parents are doing it and the kids are, you know, looking at you sideways, wondering what's happening. And then eventually they fall into it and start doing it as well. It was amazing this connection she made the other day around um, she was she's in grade three and so she's and she's in French immersion so she was she's really her readings coming along in both English and French and she was saying how she felt confident reading this one particular book and I was talking about accessibility and how you know it's great to be challenged but you 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 want to be challenged but not to a point where you feel like a failure you know mm-hmm. um, and so it's talking about accessibility and then she said. You know, mom, like in, in yoga, when you give people options, like if they're if they have any issues with their knees, you'll give them other options that they can take. So every there's something for everyone. And I was like, I thought you were on the corner just minding your own business. Mm-hmm. You know, it was amazing to see those connections happen. So I think because she is paying attention, of course, like she doesn't want to feel the pressure of doing the yoga, but she, there's definitely a, an intrigue that she hasn't quite admitted to me yet. Yeah. And it, you know, and it, it'll come like on yeah. their own terms, which is so beautiful. Yeah. And it might come when she's 20 and it might come when she's 12, you know, it, it doesn't matter when that is, but mm-hmm. it's being exposed to it that I think yeah. allows these kids to feel comfortable with it because, yeah. you know, in 2000, I remember coming back from India and walking down the street on Lonsdale, going to a yoga class. Um, and one of our friends, the yoga classes, Lori, when she had, um, uh, the yoga pod and uh, I remember somebody yelling out of their car and being like you freaking hippie you're part of a cult and I was what? like yes I couldn't believe it in 2000 wow. and you know but I look back then and I remember when you know teaching yoga and you know saying hey you should come to a yoga class and you know yeah. it's really gentle in the body and people would be like well you know is it religious and like they just had all these assumptions about that and that was you know sure 2000, 18, 19 years ago, but there's still so many people that I meet today who've never stepped foot mm-hmm. into a yoga studio mm-hmm. or onto a mat. Mm-hmm. And so I, I still think there's a lot more work to do in exposing our kids to it. Now mm-hmm. seeing that it's in schools everywhere is a beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 And, and I know at, at Frankie school, they, they teach box breath. And, um, you know, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. Wow. Yeah. And um, 
It's yeah, it's, it's amazing. And and who initiated that at the school? One of one of the t- uh, teaching assistants did. They came into our class. Yeah, and then the teacher teaches yoga in class, and I've gone in and, and shared a little bit of yoga. I realized that uh, yoga for kids is not my forte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I just feel so uncomfortable. Like, what if one of them starts giggling? The whole class falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I did a yoga teacher training for kids as well. And um, after teaching a few classes in my husband's school at the time, I was like, you know what? I- I'm good. I'm going to go back to the yeah. pregnant ladies. I loved right. prenatal and postnatal. That was definitely my comfortable space. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the questions I have about uh, yoga today mm-hmm. in North America mm-hmm. um, and how you feel about it. And you've been all over the world um, teaching and mm-hmm. practicing as well. And uh, we have all of the, I mean, almost everybody we know is either a nutritionist and a yoga Mm, instructor mm -hmm. nowadays. Or a life coach. Or a life coach. Exactly. (laughs) Those three things. And uh, when I was just in Africa recently, I met this most beautiful man who runs a tea um, farm in Africa, in Malawi. And his name is Prim, this beautiful man, probably in his like late 60s. And he started teaching yoga about 20 or 30 years ago. He's Indian um, from India. And we just had a really good discussion. And he was like, you know, I went to North America once and I went to a couple of yoga classes. And he's like, that's not my kind of yoga. Mm. And it was interesting because his perspective was very much like mine, having first practiced in India and then coming back here and then doing my yoga teacher training. And I remember moving to Whistler especially and starting to teach up here and the students were like, hey, none of that spiritual religious stuff. Um, And I have been teaching in obviously quite a while just because I've been so busy with other things. But what is it like for you? Are you able to go deep with your students? Are you able to talk about, you know, a bigger um, power that's out there? Are you able to use the language that is... um, you know, I would say more spiritual and is it taken up well by your students or are you finding that you get a lot of students who are literally there to look good in yoga pants, which is exactly how he put it, Prim put it. Okay, so I think inevitably we're on a path to enlightenment while we're, whether we're conscious of that or not. And, you know, in, in the West, I think that What's most tangible for us is the Anamaya Kosha, the, the food body. It's what we can touch. It's what, we're, what we can feel and that what we first um, become aware of when we're on our mats. We feel the body. We experience the world with through the five senses. And um, so we get really interested in the physical. Um, c- certainly that was my gateway. Um, and... You know, living in a place like Whistler, for sure, people, it's very athletic and everyone's fit. And um, what I witnessed within myself is I found my spiritual practice through Bikram yoga. And it was nothing the teacher said, because if you've ever done a Bikram class, it's pretty much just cueing the body what to do physically. Um it's not thematic. It's just very rudimentary. Um, but through that, as I mentioned before, r- facing myself and learning how to be with myself and, and really being confronted with 
this mirror reflecting back, the svadhyaya, the self-study, seeing in all the ways that I want to check out or go unconscious or distract myself from, from the, you know, come out of the pose early to like fix the wrinkle in my mat, like all the ways that I, that I hide, all the ways that I hold myself back. And um, so through this experience, there was something woke up inside of me, something turned on and I started to become a seeker of spirituality and but it came through that practice and I think in order to experience ourselves as consciousness we need to learn how to have mastery over the body to tame the beast of the body mm-hmm. otherwise we're going to be sit- thinking about our tight hips while we're trying to sit in a meditation pose um, so I think that you know inevitably the gateway for for many of us in the west is going in through the food body and then we get more curious about our our breath the pranamaya kosha the layer within that and then we get curious about oh i'm experiencing life through the five senses and this what you would call the manamaya kosha the lower mind and then you realize that oh i'm having this sensory experience but there's something bigger than that going on and we become introduced to the Vijnanamaya Kosha, the intellect, the discerning part of the mind, the higher mind. And, you know, we get these little hits of the bliss, the Anandamaya Kosha, the bliss layer, where we become more and more subtle. The cells are further and further spaced apart. And so I think we ebb and flow between all of these layers of, of self. And we get... I know I've certainly become a lot more interested in the subtle body. Um, And I place now just as much importance on the subtle body that I do the physical. And, you know, I I was looking for that workout. I was looking for a physical experience when I first got on my mat. And I think most people can agree that's not the reason why they stay committed Mm -hmm. to their yoga practice. So as mentioned before, we started as a Bikram studio where the class would begin toes, heels together, inhale, breathing, begin. There is no pause. Let's, let's consider why we're here, set an intention, you know, bring any thematic elements into the practice. And then we started to evolve into a studio that taught, offered other styles and started to introduce some of these spiritual teachings. And it's just amazing now to go back. I did a class, I taught a class recently up at um, Neil Whistler um, for old time's sake. And it's amazing. I walk into that studio now and, and even shortly thereafter, like people were, are sitting there meditating. You know, we started, I started chanting the first time I tried to get people to ohm, they were looking at me going like, what? I was ohming alone. And, and, uh, you know, even for me to share spiritual, spiritual teachings in a class, I, I struggle with, um, because not only do I feel really exposed because it's something that I hold so sacred to me and it's my, per, it's my, my personal experience and my personal journey. And I never want to hijack some reason, someone's reason for coming to yoga. And I also realize that, um, I don't want to project onto people, you know, what, what is relevant for me may not be relevant for everyone. Although, of course, it is mm-hmm. to at least like somebody in the class is going to get you. Um, so I do see I definitely see a shift because as, as we mentioned earlier, you know, in 97 and 2000, 
yoga was really burgeoning in Vancouver. Now you, you go to Vancouver and there's a yoga studio in every single corner. So, you know, it's been around for, it's, there's been a consistent, steady growth in the yoga, the business of yoga for 20 plus years now. And so I think people are inevitably are more and more interested in the spiritual practice. And my practice has very much changed to, you know, breath work, mantra, um, the physical for sure is, is important because I want to be able to strengthen this container, this, this vehicle that we have in order to be able to hold our capacity to hold our vitality and our energy. You know, we need both. So, um, you know, and I worked at Lululemon back in the day when I first mm -hmm. became a yoga teacher um, to supplement my income. And, you know, I'd hear people scoff at folks that would just want to wear the pants but not do the yoga. I'm like, you know what? Putting on a pair of those stretchy pants is one step closer to getting to a yoga mat. If that's what gets them onto a yoga mat, who cares? Like, you know, like let's make this accessible for people. I remember um, one of the OG uh, Ashtanga teachers, Beryl Bender Birch, she coined the term, I believe it was her, um, power yoga because mm -hmm. she started teaching to her runner's group and she would say, hey, we're going to do some stretching, you know. She would disguise yoga in a, in, in a way that would be appealing to her people, and it, and it worked. And then slowly she started to give them a little bit more. So I think when people – I'm really lucky that I, that I live in a community where um, I have a lot of retention in my classes. I see a lot of the same people coming back. So to me, even though they may not be explicitly asking for more, the very fact that they're showing up every time I teach is they're asking for more. Mm -hmm. So I – it causes me to rise, to be willing to share that which I hold really sacred and close to my heart with those people. So it, it works both ways. I can, I rise and I ask them to rise with me. It's so and awesome. Do. Yeah. And I think that philosophy of, you know, just creating the space and holding the space for people to mm. show up and then mm -hmm. what they get out of it at the whatever time it is in their life that they need it mm. is, you know, what they get out. And it's a journey, individual journey for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same thing that applies to also how we raise our kids as mm -hmm. well. It's you hold the space for them, like a safe mm -hmm. space where they can have clean food, where they can go to bed at a reasonable time, mm -hmm. where they can um, experience meditation, whether they fall asleep doing it or, you know, before bed or whatever, but your children are going to also um, take what they need at whatever given time in their life that they need it. And we don't need to force it on anybody. Mm -hmm. um, no, I love that. And just by doing, you know, I think about, I've had a few teachers where I, I studied with David Life, who is one of the co-founders of Jiva Mukti Yoga. And in teacher training, um, we would walk into the room and he'd be sitting there meditating. And when class was starting, he would just start oming. You're like, okay, then, like, here we go. Mm -hmm. No need to say anything. And, you know, I studied with um, Sally Kempton, um, a meditation course. And she said, you know, one of the ways we can teach people to meditate is to get into a meditative state yourself. And I think there's, there's so much truth to that. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like, be the example be the change you wish to see in the world. And, you know, Frankie knows that 
every morning I get up super early and I go downstairs and I roll up my mat and it's my time. It's my sacred time to um, take care of myself so that I can take care of her and all the all the, the tasks that I have in a day. And she respects that time. She still, when she wakes up, beckons for me. <laughs> she, she will never come down, but she knows what time it is. She knows yeah. not to disturb me between the hours of five and seven. Wow. So... And so you get up early and tell me what your morning routine looks like, because okay. as a mama that is, you know, running a business and all, I mean, more than one business, really. Mm. I mean, you have your yoga, your teaching, your traveling, your mm-hmm. training and your Squamish water kefir. What does your morning look like? Yeah, um, my morning is and like, again, this is like a level of commitment that I never thought that I would have. I remember a friend last year going like, you're so disciplined. I'm like, No, it's called making a choice because if I'm not taking care of myself, you don't want to be around me. I'm going to be super grumpy. Okay, so I get up early. I depending on what type of breath practice I I intend to do, I'll either have a glass of warm water with lemon to get my liver going Mm -hmm. um, first thing. Or if I if I'm going to be doing some retentions and things like that, I'll save it till after the practice and I'll. I either do meditation first, depending on how sleepy I am. If I feel like I'm sleepy and I need some help getting getting going, I'll do a yoga practice first and then finish with meditation. Or and some t- do you have a particular style of meditation that you love or do you just mm-hmm. choose whatever it is you need that morning? Yeah, I ch- I'm, I'm a bit of a, I, I, I tend to just go with whatever mm-hmm. is moving through me. And sometimes I don't meditate. And my practice is a meditation. Um, breath work, I don't always take some type of formal breath work, but depending on the season, I kind of work with the, the daily rhythms as well as the seasonal rhythms. So mm-hmm. right now, as we transition from, from winter into spring, um, to help clear out the, the dampness and the heaviness of winter, I've been doing a lot of Kapalabhati practices mm-hmm. um, to help purge out you know, the heaviness and um, to feel more clear um, as well as playing with a little bit of retention as well. Breath holds. Um, yeah. And same thing, my, my practice will ebb and flow depending on what season we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not practicing for a long time. I'm practicing between 30 minutes and an hour depending on because I also want to meditation because I also want to prepare my meals for the day because mm-hmm. I also want to I, I use those early hours to also catch up on emails that are kind of screaming at me because when I'm I'm basically pinning it from the time Frankie gets up until school pickup yeah and then in the evenings I don't want to be working on my computer when I'm with her so I just I have pretty strong boundaries around my work time and when I'm working between nine and three, mm-hmm. I'm not texting on my phone. I'm not emailing. I'm because my job is very hands-on teaching yoga. Obviously, there's no devices happening, mm-hmm. and then brewing water kefir and or bottling water kefir or working a farmer's market or you know, it's yeah. yeah so, I apologize to all the people out there. 
that I have an email back. I'm thinking of you. I swear I'm sending you telepathic messages. Well, I love what Julia does. Um, you, I remember emailing her one time when Jaden was in her yoga teacher training yeah. and she just had an automatic response. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? I prefer to be with my students. I prefer to give myself the self-care that I need, which means that I can't get back to your emails. Probably not tomorrow, probably not the next day, but within at least seven days. And mm-hmm. she just says it mm-hmm. out loud as it really should be. And I interviewed um, Alexander Franson, who's our copywriter and is amazing. She's amazing. She is so beautiful, so amazing. And she just got rid of social media entirely. Mm. So she uses no social media because she prioritized Mm -hmm. other things in her life. Mm -hmm. And I have to say it's something I struggled with. And I remember when we did the, we did a talk at uh, Mm. Fergie's. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that time, you know, learning that you get up at like 4.30, 5.30 in the morning, you do your yoga meditation and breath work and your other kriyas, which I want to ask you about what other kriyas you do in the morning. And, um, and I was like, oh yeah, I can't do that. I'm a night owl. I love the night. That's when I come alive. And, and you were like, yeah, but you know, from an Ayurvedic perspective, that's your thyroid kicking in. That's your, you know, burning the candle at both ends, energy kicking in. I was like, no, it's not. It's just who I am. And because I had been that way, like I've literally been that way my whole life. And I would find studies that show that it's great to go to bed at like one in the morning, two in the morning. Uh, I would see memes pop up, say, you know, that said intelligent people go to bed at one in the morning. (laughs) I would, I remember finding this one podcast that said that there's this concept of two sleeps, which is actually historically correct, where people would go to bed and wake up at two in the morning and then work from two to five. um, And then they would uh, go back to bed for a couple hours. So this concept of two sleeps. Well, that kind of also coincides with Ayurveda, the rhythms of the day, because there's vata time of day, mm-hmm. right? Between the hours of, what is it, 2 o'clock and 6 a.m. Then you move into kapha between 6 and 10, mm-hmm. right? Where you're kind of that slower time. Mm-hmm. And then between 10 and 2, it's pitta time. You're on fire, mm-hmm. right? So then the, that's mirrored in the evening, Right. As well. Okay. Yeah. So I was, yeah, trying to find anything and everything. We can rationale <laughs> oh, our way into anything and out of everything. terrible. Yeah. But I do have to admit since then is really when I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this going to bed early thing and see what it, you know, what we come up with. And sure enough, it changes my whole entire day. It changes my attitude with my kids. I'm way more patient. I'm more loving. I am, mm. I think, much better. It definitely means I am tired in the evenings and I do need to go to mm-hmm. bed by like 930. Um, but it also made me address this whole concept, of this fear of missing out. Mm. Because my nighttime was truly the only time that I Mm -hmm. had where it was me time Mm -hmm. right it was put the Mm -hmm. life mask on myself first um, before anybody else time but at the same time it was robbing me of really precious um, valuable sleep that you get between you know 10 o'clock and midnight and it really has changed everything for me and it enabled me to actually get up and start practicing yoga in the morning, um, which 6.30 is still early for me, but I can show up on the mat now at 6.30 and, um, and just doing that for an hour a day. And sometimes it was only even half an hour because the kids are up at seven. Um, and so even just getting that in and getting some breath work in all of a sudden, 
Like I was a different human being. Like I was telling jokes in the morning. I was, you know, packing like my kids lunch with like this, you know, fever and love that was just like, I just want to tackle the day. It was just so different Mm -hmm. than, you know, really, truly feeling exhausted when you wake up in the morning, which is not a good feeling. And I was starting to see it catch up with my physical body as well. Like my body being stiffer and all of those things, but now getting up early and, um, yeah, it feels good. So I have to thank you for that. Yes. Even though, yes, you 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 got one. You got one to convert. You know, um, and I, and I find it like it's my it's a way to prime my day because, you know, I think we can. I I've gotten into this cycle of being a creator and a manifester. I can make lots of things happen, and and then I get these. Then these things happen. I manifest my creation and then it becomes the bane of my existence and I'm underneath it all mm-hmm. going like oh my god I'm so busy I hate that word busy yeah. um it's as bad as the word much. hate yeah um, and both of those things I say way too <laughs> right? much yeah and so I'm like you know often when we're when we're when we're stressed out like I know how how easy it is for me to want to I'm looking for a state change. I'm stressed out. I'm looking for a state change. So I'm, gra- you know, grabbing a treat or I'm, you know, like I'm looking mm-hmm. for that exit door to, to take me away from what I feel like I'm underneath. And when I prime my day with, with breath work, like experience myself with con- as consciousness with breath work and meditation, and I get into, I use my practice now as an embodiment practice. These poses that we take are, to me, sacred geometry, they're, they're shapes and they're multifaceted. They're not just this two-dimensional pose. They're, if you probe the pose and see what you come up against and use your prana, your breath, as this animating force of nature, of, of self-expression, you, you get into this, this state of being where it's, I call them power poses. And, you know, some obviously are more powering and empowering than others. But it, for me, it's a morning check-in, like, who am I being today? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and with total acceptance, like, who, who am I today? Oh, okay, this is who I'm being today. Is, is this true? Is this really how you want to show up? And then I can refine. Or sometimes I'm just bagged. I'm like, this is how, you know, I'm showing up as half of me today. Okay, now I know. So that when I go on through my day, running a couple of businesses, momming it as well, I'm moving from a place of love and acceptance and authenticity. Mm-hmm. I'm and not trying, and right? And, and not trying to be like who I was yesterday or who I might be tomorrow, but mm-hmm. who I, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I love doing that as well. So sometimes in the morning, if I can't make it to a mat or if I've slept in because I had to stay up late the night before and, you know, get taxes done or whatever it is mm-hmm. that, um, that sometimes I just go into tree pose, like mm. in the bathroom while I'm standing there mm. looking at myself in the mirror and just checking in. And I love it because there's some days where I'm like tree pose. I'm like, it is the hardest thing to do. Like I cannot even like hold it for a second I'm feeling like off kilter and it doesn't mean that I'm out of balance but it actually just means like hey today is a day where I need to do something to 
feel grounded and strong or I need to be gentle with myself today and know that you know what if I get one good thing done today then that is great I don't need to get my try and knock off my 10 things on my to-do list or three things on the to-do list is even too much some days and I love it as that check-in because I think just like when it comes to healing and you know you know I teach the Gerson therapy our podcast is all about reversing disease um, using food as medicine But one of the things that my clients want all the time, and I'm sure your students want all the time, they want to see this like continual incline of, you know, being flexible. They Mm want to see, you know, that they're getting stronger every day. Mm -hmm. And it's like my clients, they want to see that their healing is is working and and, and effective every day. And every day they feel better than the next. But that's not actually how it works. Mm. Um, When you're doing the Gerson therapy, what you end up doing is you build up energy in your body. It's metabolic energy on a cellular level. It's your mitochondrial ATP energy. And when you have enough of it stored up, that's when your body starts regenerating. So then what it does, it says, hey, it knocks you down. It's like, we need you to go to bed. We, You're going to be tired. You're going to feel nauseous. You're going to feel like, you know, just the, really like you need to be in a cave and in bed and stay there for 24 to 72 hours. And it's because all that stored up energy is now going to an acute healing of anything that's been damaged in the body. And it's awesome, these healing reactions. But I also know the same from yoga is that it's not a constant incline of mm-hmm. getting better. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really truly is, is that, you know, you reach a level and and all of a sudden it becomes something else. And that something else yeah. is now the new foundation, but it's just the beginning again to whatever yeah. the next thing is. Oh, my gosh. Like I used to be so... Um goal orientated you know in my in my practice and my approach was like very much results driven I don't even (laughs) I realize like how that's so far from my my consciousness now that it's like the very fact that I've gotten up and rolled out my mat is the that's the win yeah you know that's the prize that I get to have that coveted time every morning to myself you know, that's, that's enough. That's the prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a similarity I find between having a yoga practice where if you make it on the mat, that is awesome. Even if you just lay there in Savasana and that's all you do for an hour or 40 minutes, that is amazing. That's still yoga. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with showing up and saying, okay, today is going to be the day where I put good food in my body. Like if you do it for one day, mm-hmm. that is amazing. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is, if you make it to your mat, you actually end up doing a practice. And even if you think you're going to do it for 10 minutes, it ends up being 20 minutes or an hour. And it's the same thing with putting food in your body. You put good food in today, tomorrow you wake up and you actually crave good food. Absolutely. And, and it perpetuates itself like that. So just kind of tying this all up, I used to get at what I used to do. And, you know, a few year, even just a few years ago, I really made this commitment towards saying no to my device first thing because what would happen was I'd get up have my morning pee start checking my emails and then my email box would start to drive my decisions and Mm -hmm. how and then then Frankie would be up and I wouldn't have time to prepare my meals before leaving and I would end up just grabbing a muffin for lunch or what have you and so now like I won't turn my airplane off airplane mode off sometimes I forget actually for quite a long time but having that time to do the practice to then prepare meals it's amazing it's amazing how actually easy it is Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, not being driven by the device for sure. Yeah. And I need to do that better. Like we turn on our airplane mode for sure, but it is the first thing I turn oh on. Oh my gosh. I become like a little leaf in the wind otherwise where I'm just being blown all over the place. So yeah, that's a good analogy. That's a good picture. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, you know, people are, are always saying to me, oh, you're so busy and oh, you have so much going on. And, and I almost... I have to, well, it's not that hard actually to, to be like, yes, I batch my day into six really condensed hours, mm-hmm. but I get that two hours, two and a half hours, sometimes two hours, 45 minutes to myself in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I like gangbusters go for it, which yeah, sometimes I'm hyperventilating a little bit. <laughs> Thank gosh I do my breakfast in the morning <laughs> to get me out of that habit. And then I have my evenings for like three o'clock. I pick Frankie up and other than one class in a week that I teach at night, I'm a free bird. Yeah. And I get the same thing to you. People are always like, how do you do it yeah. all? You have so much energy. Where is it coming from? And you do so much. And, you know, I could barely get out of bed in the morning. And, you know, you're and it's the same thing. And truly, I think it's because in your case, you're getting up, you know, two hours early. You're giving yourself the breath work, the meditation and the yoga. And I know for myself, I definitely get that energy from fueling my body with, mm-hmm. you know, with living food and with juices every day and you know yeah it's more convenient for me because we have a restaurant that can prepare it for me at the whim of a hat which is amazing um but at the same time um if I didn't do that I know that I would not have the energy to do everything I do and and I like to tell people I'm like hey you know what choose whatever it is in your life that fuels you Mm -hmm. and give that to yourself every single day Mm -hmm. and see what comes from there. And chances Mm -hmm. are you'll have other people being like, you're so busy. How do you do it all? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we do have to get our energy sources from, it truly comes from within, but supported by, by the choices that we make every day. I realized too, my, my level of commitment came from a, from a, a new level of self love as well that I used, I mean, I, the saboteur, Mm-hmm. seems to be like I'm finally getting a handle on managing that part of myself that can rise up. And I re- the more and more I commit to the self-care, that saboteur is so quiet now. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, I'm going to say that and then like, watch, tomorrow I'm going to get walloped or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, 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 not the, it's not in the driver's seat anymore. And I realized like, wow, this really is an act of self-love. Like, I love myself enough to give me this time, myself yeah. this time. So it's my, like, it's my deep, um, I'm deeply motivated to teach people how to love themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, and so that is like mutually beneficial because it means that I have to <laughs> stay same. loving myself. Yeah, right. And we know how hard that practice is, and yeah. you know, people often say, "Oh, yeah, I love myself; it's no problem." But I'm like, you know what? Prove to me that you love yourself. Prove to me that you put your body first, that you put your heart first, that you put your spirit first, and um, you know, and what actions are you taking every day to show that self love? And that's a different story altogether. Mm-hmm. And I was faced with the same thing. I remember there was about a good solid year, and I and I love pulling cards, and you know, some I just taught a. Um, a nutrition and detox training course this weekend. Um, it's part of a three-month uh, course that I've been teaching for the last couple of years. 
And, you know, I asked the students, have you ever pulled cards before? And, you know, like tarot cards or, you know, any kind of angel deck or whatever it is, medicine woman deck, it doesn't matter what it is. And they had not pulled cards before, which I always think is so fascinating because there's like a million decks out there and they're all so beautiful. And they're like just these artistic, beautiful creations that just have simple words on them that make you think differently. So that's how I explained them. I was like, okay, you're not spiritual, you're not religious. So you say right now, um, but let's pull a card to start to set an intention for our three month training. And I said, you know, think about the card as a, as a shift in perspective. Think of it as like a kick in the ass. Like, you know, you might wake up and think like your saboteur is in the driver's seat. I love how you say that. And, you know, your saboteur is telling you that, you know what, like you're not smart enough to do this course. You're not smart enough to learn the sciences or, you know, like I'm too tired to get on a mat. Like that's your saboteur speaking. And um, so anyway, everybody pulled the card and sure enough, everybody was like, oh my God, this is so fitting for who I am and where I am right now. And then I told them a story about how this is about eight years ago for one entire year. Every time I pulled a card from the deck, it was the exact same card. What? Yes, the exact same card. And in fact, it got to the point where I'd like get my kids to pull a card for me and they would be like, mom, it's the creative card. And I was like, what? And so then Pierre would pull it and he'd be like, it's the same card. And it was crazy. And but. One night I had come home and um, this was actually during the Olympics. So this is, oh my God, 10 years ago. 11 when years. I got pregnant. When I got pregnant. Exactly. I was <laughs> pregnant then too. When you got pregnant too. Yeah, our babies are not too, born too far apart. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's true. And I remember coming home at like 1.30 in the morning. And this is just before I got pregnant. And I was working, serving to pick up extra money so we can buy our house in Whistler. Um, and... I freaking sit down to pull a card because I was like, you know, really trying to decide what do I want to do with my life? And this is just before or as I was starting to teach Gerson and I was still working government. I hated my job and I knew I needed to do something differently. And I'm like, I'm pulling a card and it's going to tell me what to do next. And fuck, I pull the creative card again. And that was it. So I sat my ass down on a pillow in the living room, 1.30 in the morning, and I read the card, and then I open up the book, and I flip to the page, and I read the whole entire page now for the 13th time that year that I've pulled the same card. And there's one line in there that I must have read, like, I don't know how many times, and I clearly didn't see it. And all it said was, sit down, put your arms around yourself, and tell yourself that you love yourself. And I tried to do that, and I couldn't. And I couldn't do it. And I, for 45 minutes, like I would try to get the words out and they would not come out until essentially I bawled my eyes out because I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? And I truly realized in that moment, no matter how many times I told myself like, oh yeah, I love myself. I'm totally fine. I hadn't been taking the time every day to like actually show myself. And that was a transition for me where I was like, you know what, every day I'm going to take the time out to do that. And it's still a practice to this day because as much as I could say, yeah, sure. Now I can say I love myself. Um, now I have to prove it. I'm like, show me, show me how you love me. Right. And so you've just inspired me again. I'm going to hug myself to bed tonight. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think of the fawns. Yeah. Oh my God, that's funny. (laughs) So I love that. And I love that you tied that all in together. And that's a good way to end uh, the part about yoga and uh, your journey that you're still on Mm -hmm. in the world of yoga and bringing that love to so many people. What I want to talk about now, and especially because it is the Eat Real to Heal podcast, let's talk about kefir. And am I saying it right? It's kefir, right? Not kefir. It's kefir. Kefir. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So what is kefir? Like we 
sell it in our green mustache mm-hmm. and I know what it is obviously you've been doing it for decades we've been doing I did it back do you remember mother herbs yeah. in North Vancouver I mean you introduced me to mother's herbs oh yeah. I did yeah oh my gosh okay yeah. so this is like the most incredible woman that you're ever going to meet and she's probably like in her 80s now maybe and she looks like she's like in her 60s um, at least 20 years younger and this woman is so knowledgeable about herbs and health anyway so mothers I think it's called mothers now yeah and she still has this small little um, smoothie studio in uh, North Vancouver and anyway 20 years ago I started going there and she was making kefir back then and we would go there and buy the grains and and um, what's her heritage uh, Polish maybe yeah yeah Polish maybe okay. yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. So how did you get into your business of Squamish Water Kefir? What is kefir and what is it made from? Because I know that all of our listeners and especially the ones who go to the Green Mustache want to know that. Mm. Okay. Um, so I partnered with my friend Sabrina Horlick, who is studying holistic nutrition. And she was she always struggles with gut issues, sensitivities, and she was introduced to water kefir in her holistic nutrition course and was brewing it at home and had just had two young kids at home, had worked in the film industry also and was looking for a way to to not go back to film and she wanted to sell something at the farmer's market. And um, I was looking at a way to branch away from um, not branch away to add in to teaching. I want. I was looking for something to to. I wanted to use my brain in a in a different way. Um, in fact, I thought about going to hair school. Really, <laughs> almost went to hair school. You could have easily done that. You've had the I best know, hair so fun. of anyone that I've ever known. So fun, and I was. Um, I realized that I wanted to also try and bring my work closer to home with having Frankie, and um, so I, I was in this place of you know, wondering what the next step was. And she and I were out on a run one day and we were talking about that. And she had that week sold with her little red wagon, her daughter sitting in the back, 60 wine bottles full of water kefir just in her housing uh, complex. Wow. 60 wine bottles in Amble Path. And she said, you know, I go to film for a reason. Like, I don't want to work crazy hours. Um, I'm looking for a partner. Do you want to be a partner? And I felt like, if there was a yes that came so fast out of my being that it was beyond my mind. It was my spirit. It's like, yep. What did I just say yes to? And I so love I was, that though, because yeah. you're like, what did I just say yes to? You yeah. don't know, but you jump in with both yes, feet. Yes, totally. Yeah. And I had actually been introduced to water kefir many years before by Astrid Ken up here in Whistler, mm-hmm. who she introduced me to fermentation like back in the day. She used to drink the weirdest things and probably still does. Um, she does. Yeah, she does. (laughs) And she looks amazing. She looks like she's 20 years old. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And has incredible vitality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I really wanted to study Ayurveda. And so nutrition has always been really of interest to me as well as all things wellness related. So it just seemed like an obvious choice, I guess. And um, so I was on my way to teach a teacher training in London and had some time to think about what I had just said yes to. And during that week that I was away, Sabrina said, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna do a farmers market." And it was the, it was I think September. It was super rainy and squamish, and she sold out. Wow! And so it was just affirming, like, "Yes, we're onto something." 
And then when I got back, we just, we went for it and um, have been at it now since that was September, 2015. And um, so what water kefir is, it is a, so there's dairy kefir and there's water kefir, same family, different culture. Water kefir is brewed from a culture much like dairy kefir. The main difference is dairy kefir would ferment off of the lactose in the milk. So there'll be different strains of bacteria than water kefir. Uh, water kefir, we feed um, natural, like raw cane sugar. And, um, and what are you feeding? A scoby, a bunch of little scobies. So kombucha yeah. has the one mother scoby. That looks like a big mushroom. Mushroom or yeah. a flying saucer. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a bunch of little tiny scobies. And scoby is an acronym for symbiotic culture of organized bacteria and yeast. Right. So kombucha and kefir are both bacteria. Yes. Yeah, fermented okay. from a culture, a live bacteria. Mm-hmm. Main difference is kombucha is fermented from a tea. Kefir is not. It has, kombucha is a much longer brewing time than water kefir. You notice that the, uh, kombucha is a, a more acidic. Oftentimes there's there's black tea or green tea used. There's caffeine in it. Um, kefir doesn't have, it's a much milder, more mainstream taste, mm-hmm. um, much shorter brewing time. Kombucha is higher in digestive enzymes. Kefir is much higher in probiotics, although they both have probiotics and digestive enzymes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really it's great to add variety to your to your your plate as you know and to change up your sources of um, fermented foods and probiotics and digestive enzymes. Um, so I'm an advocate for both. We're an advocate um, for both too. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, we we realize that water kefir is a grocery staple. We have um, families of all ages as customers. We have little kids coming up to us at the farmer's markets going, you know, spending their allowance money or their treat money on water kefir. And I have a friend that weaned her daughter with water kefir. Wow. I know. So amazing. I've had lots of um, I did it with Tabasco sauce. How did that work? <laughs> Lemon juice and Tabasco sauce mixed together. And I know people will say this you is mean maybe on child. Your nipple? I had to. Oh, okay, okay. And I wasn't even trying to wean her. She didn't want to be breastfeeding, but like once every three days she'd be like, I want that boob and my they were. I think hurting. I can guess which one you're talking about, but we won't mention any names. <laughs> um oh, which daughter? It, I thought you meant which boob. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> is that why you grabbed them? Yes. I just grabbed my boobs right now. You could have seen that if we were doing a live video. Amazing. Um, um, but yeah, and I was just like, you know what, babe? You like, and it had been three years, okay, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, you're kind of done. And so yeah. I just dabbed a little bit on there and she latched on and went, and then she's like, that's it. Don't like it. And she was fine. It wasn't very hot that's or spicy, amazing. but just the bitterness and amazing. a bit of spice. Yeah. Well, this particular friend didn't dab it on. She just said, no, no, you can't have this, but would you like this? Oh. Yeah. 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 I should have done that. Yeah. Sorry, I've had, <laughs> I've had a lot of moms come up and say, you know, your lemon ginger water kefir saved me when I had morning sickness or mm-hmm. people when they're... Anyway, it's it's been... We knew we were onto something because we were sharing it with friends in the community and... You know, we had people coming back, can I have some of your magic potion or hearing these incredible stories about, um, I have a friend in Pemberton who said when she drinks it, she instantly, her gut feels better. Mm-hmm. And her son has digestive issues as well. They're, they're 
they're different than hers, but they both feel so much relief from drinking it. So they would trek down to Squamish and pick it up. Um, so many great, great stories about, um, you know, people with bladder issues or constipation or, you know, gut well, upset. It's all heart. about the microbiome, right? And restoring that and feeding it and nurturing it. And I mean, it completely makes sense. Um, on the Gerson therapy, we actually have to give people digestive enzymes because yeah. they're not producing enough in their own body. Yeah. And obviously, if you can get it from a natural source mm-hmm. or from kefir or kombucha, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, you know, these people need it like three, four, five times a day. And so they have to take it before they digest their food because it's just not strong enough. And we have so many people who are so weak in digestion. So if you can start off by drinking this um, beforehand and like throughout the day, then you are, um, yeah, you're golden. Yeah. And, can and you it's drink- alive. It's it's not shelf stable. Exactly. Like it's alive. It's, it's living. It's, it's, yeah, you're, you're, it's, it's really quite cute. Actually, the, um, bacteria, I call them little minions. Um, they, they look like little minions. They look like little They're minions. So cute. Totally. And they are more active in the spring. Like they get frisky in the spring, just like what? humans. How cute is that? What? I know. They over, like, they'll start producing in like the spring. Like overproducing. Yes. I remember mothers saying that. She'd be like, it's please wild. take some great, so some people call them grains, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we grains. say crystals because people will make that connotation. Oh. They think, oh, is it a grain? It's fermented right. from a grain. Yeah. So just to make. Crystals. I'll start calling them crystals yeah, now. Yeah. Just keeps it a little bit more clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. Um, okay. So made from the grain and then mm-hmm. how like are you able to share how you make it i know anybody can google it but oh yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Com- completely so we we brew it for it, it likes to be in a warm temperature room mm-hmm. um like a summer temperature room and we brew it for two days and then you um strain it and you if you aren't going to be doing another batch right away you would put it away in the fridge to stop the fermentation um you would store it in some of the water kefir now water kefir liquid um with some sugar to feed it Mm -hmm. stow it away in the fridge and then you can do a second stage ferment with what you just strained off flavoring it and let it sit out on your countertop for another two days Mm. and then you get the the second ferment helps to um the sugars get eaten up more so sometimes there's a concern with the with it being fed sugar and we're not taking white sugar you know table sugar we're using high quality fair trade organic sugar we are um there's only four ingredients and we use high quality um ingredients and um so whatever's left over in terms of sugar have been pre-digested you know, so much easier for your body. They're more bioavailable, mm-hmm. I'd say. And you'll notice that, especially in the warmer weather, there's more of a natural effervescence that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. So with the sugar that is put in there, um, from a science side, by the way, for anybody who's listening, it is, you know, sugar is really, it's a carbon chain and there's oxygen, hydrogen atoms on it. And so when it gets consumed by the bacteria, basically all the har- carbon, hydrogen, oxygen atoms all break apart and then it forms other chemicals. So at the end, you're not left with sugar. So just in case anybody doesn't understand the science, um, so it's not like you're drinking pure sugar. 
And in fact, you're not even drinking sugar at all um, because it gets turned into many, many other things. Um, and I'm so glad you said that because I did not know that. Yeah, I... Word, Nikki. Word, right? It's awesome. Well, it's the same thing as fat. So I know right. we're just like off the kefir train right now, but... <laughs> there's no fat in kefir. There's no, no, there's no fat in kefir. But there's a really great TED Talk, and I'll try and find the link for it, but he does such a great job of explaining how we actually burn off fat. And so people think it's like, you know, a chunk of lard that you see in liposuction surgeries like that's one way to get rid of fat but yeah. another way to get rid of it is you breathe it out of your lungs and people oh, go wow. what but a chain of fatty acid a chain of fat is actually made up of the same things that sugar is made up of it's actually made up of the same things that like so many other molecules in life are made up of. it's just carbon hydrogen and oxygen atoms and so all you have to do is apply heat to it so heat being like in the form of like exercise or digestion of like healthy foods and then what happens going to bed before 10 going to bed before 10 exactly and what you actually do eating carbohydrates like that takes energy and so you actually produce heat in the body and then what happens is the heat breaks off the hydrogen atoms the oxygen atoms um and the carbon chain breaks up and then all of a sudden you're not left with any fat like hmm. you and then you breathe the oxygen or the co2 out of the body um and you know the hydrogen gets used up and dispelled in many ways and then it's no longer fat in the body so people don't realize that um when we're talking about all of these chemicals, where they're all usually anything that's living and gives to provides life is a uh, chain of carbon atoms. And depending on how many carbon, how many hydrogen, how many oxygen, and potentially some other um, um, molecules of, of things are attached to it will make it what it is. But we can always snip it, break it up. And usually oxygen, heat, light, water, and other chemicals will help to break that up. So... Yeah. So I know. So that's how the sugar gets used up. Mm. Um, okay. So now that people know that, no, they're not just drinking sugary beverages. Mm. Um, but so can you drink too much of it? That's what you I definitely know. can. So if you haven't been, um, exposed to probiotics, you're new to it. Um, and if you go gangbusters and drink a ton of it, this happened to Sabrina, my business partner. She had just come off a round of antibiotics and she drank a lot. She was brewing it at home. She was chugging it and she started to feel not great. She started to feel fluey. And her husband said, well, maybe it's that stuff you're drinking. And she was like, it's healthy, okay? And then she snuck away to her holistic nutrition course and asked the teacher and he said, oh yeah, you're experiencing a die-off effect. I've never personally experienced this. Um, what the die-off effect is as it's killing bad bacteria, you can start to feel, it's like when you do the first time you ever do a cleanse, you right. feel a bit crappy the first time yeah. and it gets easier and easier and easier to cleanse. Um, so that can happen. Yeah. yeah. And I had that happen to me. I it actually just before I went to India, oh. uh, yeah, I did the wild world cleanse yeah. and I, this is why I don't like recommending cleanses without, um, being supported and followed by somebody who mm. understands how the body detoxifies. Right. Um, and yeah, sure enough. And I have a girlfriend here who, you know, Tracy Higgs and Whistler, who loves to tell this story, but did the wild rose cleanse. And I had a lot of candida overgrowth at that time because I was working at the Longhorn and partying drinking and drinking and, yes, and eating shit food. And this is way before my Gerson days. Um, you know, this is over 20 years ago and doing the wild rose cleanse, like it was too strong in my system and that die off effect. Like I was 
shitting myself, vomiting, everything. Like, oh my uh, gosh. yeah, but the body just needed to get rid of that. Um, it basically, it's like dead bacteria that can't be yeah. cleansed fast enough through right. your detoxification organs. Is that what the same? Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That was my first cleanse, too, by the way. And exactly what my mind went to in the first time I did that cleanse. Oh, yeah. 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 Not not comfy. Now I know how to detox properly, which is good, and how to support the organs while you're detoxifying. So it's a very different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So okay, so you can't drink too much. So so how much is too much, or how Mm. much how much? I think that's really personal. I mean, should people start off with like a shot, a cup, you know, bottle for a medicinal dose? Mm. You really only need an ounce. Oh wow. Yeah, you really you don't need much. It's quite potent. It tastes amazing. It doesn't taste potent. It tastes, it's really easy to drink, as you know. And so, you know, for people that are on a budget and they, you know, they're like a bit concerned by it being a specialty beverage, um, know that if you, if you want to use this live fermented probiotic as a medicinal dose, just take an ounce and then you can leave it in the fridge. Awesome. We've got, yeah, we've got a 90-day shelf life. Um, and when you open it, is it still 90 days? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just keep it capped. Yeah. 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 That's amazing because a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, you no, know. No, it's usually just the, it's the carbonation that you'll lose. That you'll lose. Yeah, but you can it, still drink it. Yeah. Awesome. Someone messaged us the other day and said, oh, my gosh, I forgot and I left it outside for three days. Is it still okay? It's like, Did, like, how does it smell? Does it taste okay? Oh, yeah, it tastes great. It's fine. I'm still alive. I'm like, great. It's it's supporting you. Yeah. <laughs> like it's got a much longer shelf life, I, I believe. It's just that we were in haste trying to get bottles on the shelves, retail mm-hmm. shelves, and we sent it to the lab and we're like, okay, we only have 90 days worth of patients right now to test it. So we haven't gone beyond that. We will eventually. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, so just to give you an idea... Sabrina's two-year-old daughter would pound. She would easily drink. Back when we used to cork it in wine bottles, she could easily pound two wine bottles a day. Wow. And she was fine. Yeah. So I think it's really personal. Um, we recommend that people don't start off slowly. Like if at, mm-hmm. the, at the most, if you're going to drink 500 mils, half a liter, yeah. start there, and then you can work your way up. Yeah. Um, but it can become a ha- an expensive habit. That so just keep be. that in mind. Yeah. So that's good to know for everybody who's out there who's ever said, oh, kefir or kombucha is so expensive, yeah. but you're willing to spend two bucks on a Coke. You know, yeah. you might spend four or something right. on a bottle of kefir and you can have it last for 90 days and or literally take... Or five bucks on a latte or... Yes, exactly. You know, how much on a beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, exactly. People yeah. are willing to spend eight to ten bucks on a beer now, yeah. but not willing to buy, you know, a half liter, you know, of uh, kefir and yeah. take an ounce of it a day and use it medicinally. Yeah. Okay. I love that we cleared that up. Also, um, we launched popsicles last year oh, that are that. Com- a combination of water kefir as their base combined with a superfood. Mm. So we thought, let's make like healthy popsicles that t- that taste delicious so yeah. we have three flavors pear grape and lemonade and they are delicious they are delicious so they're sweetened with maple syrup and then the we have some juice in in them as well and then they have himalayan salt so you're getting a really nice dose of of minerals mm-hmm. and uh the grape has blueberry juice grape juice and e3 live um ma- blue magic wow. algae oh, and the pear has pear and turmeric and lime 
in the lemonade is lemon, lime, and coconut water. And you can actually freeze water kefir, and you don't lose the, uh, it doesn't kill the bacteria. That's amazing, because that yeah. that's the question yeah. that I was going to ask. I know. So yeah. that is, I, I thought I'd mention that on here, because so, yeah. I know that some people are a little concerned about that. Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. love that. That is awesome. And I yeah. know my kids love those popsicles. And I are you selling them up here where in Whistler? Um, we're th- we just we're just starting to launch them again. Okay, yeah. so yeah. we'll make sure we carry. He them sold in out of the farmers market last last weekend. It's like at eleven o'clock. We're like, okay, wow. we'll bring more than thirty next time. And how? Where are you selling kefir besides the Green Mustache and Farmers Market? Oh, um, so many places. Um, Whole Foods choices. You can order it on Spud. You can get a standing order. Wow. Um, Donald's Market, Nestor's, um, IGA and Whistler has it now. Um, throughout the Sea to Sky Corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to our website, which is squamishwaterkefir.com, there is um, a page that's where, and you can find out where we are re- retail. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a markets page as well to see what farmers markets will be at and seasonal markets we're going to be doing the constellation fest um in squamish the big music festival in end of july we're going to be vending there that's Um, amazing mm -hmm. and are you still bottling all of the kefir yourself Mm -hmm. it's all hand bottled yeah does that mean you put on your labels by yourself everything put on the caps by yourself yeah yep oh my goodness i know wow and so what's next for squamish water kefir are you planning on growing it? Are you keeping it small? What's your plan for you as an entrepreneur in this world now? Yeah. Um, and what's next? Well, for we've, always, we've always um, seen, as I mentioned before, like this is a grocery item, a staple to have in, in your fridge, in every fridge. And, um, you know, we've been received so well in our local community. And we, now we're, we're being asked to go nationwide. And I really see us going into the West Coast of the United States as well in the next year or two. And can you still maintain the integrity of the product by going that big? Because we know that there's some other big companies in the kombucha world that have lost some of that integrity with, mm. you know, going as big as they have. Now, um, are you still going to be able to do that with kefir? Well, that's definitely our aim. You know, we've, we've looked at um, setting up facilities and in different places so that we don't have to ship it from here okay as well yeah um yeah so that would be definitely our our intention okay good that's what i want to see because i can imagine too that um you know, like we have most for the general public, nobody's out there measuring, you know, the digestive enzyme content or nobody's yes. measuring. So it would be. Oh, it'd be brewed exactly in the same way. Right. I know. Th- I know there are some um, companies that um, are are selling fermented beverages and there's only like trace amounts of actual yeah. probiotics and digestive en- enzymes in in them. Yeah, we looked at that. We did a couple of experiments and yeah. we definitely saw that like um, Squamish water kefir and um, Spark Kombucha, like they had, a, they were alive and mm-hmm. living and yeah. definitely some of these other companies basically 
it was almost like a dead product at that point yeah. and I'm not going to mention them but um, it, but I can see how that happens because yeah. I mean at the end of the day the bigger you go um, you know you're constantly trying to cut costs and you have mm-hmm. further shipping distances and the further you ship means you have to cut costs on the production side And um, but I also think we're in a different space in this world and I mean you come from a place of such integrity already to begin with coming from the world of yoga um, being the you know integral mom that you are that I imagine that that'll just continue through yeah I wouldn't even when you asked me the question at first I was like threw me off for a second I'm like well you know it didn't even cross my mind that it would be there'd be a potential for the integrity well and that's yeah that's what I mean because I see so many people it was like when we got started in the um you know plant-based whole food world we watched a lot of people all of a sudden rise up really quickly um and you know everybody's making plant-based whole food but it's you know, a lot of processed foods, a lot of refined packaged food, a lot of fillers mm. in there, um, definitely higher grain content and less vegetables and not organic. And I totally know why they do mm-hmm. it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's cost. It all comes down to that. But mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't have the nutritional lo- knowledge behind it, I mean, there's no way we could ever serve something non-organic on a plate to somebody like that. You know, putting the glyphosate and the genetically modified food into somebody's being would be like the equivalent of me actually with the knowledge that I have being like, yeah, I want to hurt you, you know, so I can never do that. And I can never go back no matter how big we go. There's Mm -hmm. no way. And I know because of where you came from when you started Squamish Water Kefir, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, you could even, just like you said, you couldn't even imagine where, where would you even think to cut corners? Yeah. 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 So I think that's an important thing to look at when people are out there and purchasing products. A lot of people want to go by the cost of the product. But I think, you know, when it comes to purchasing products, especially in this day and age, we have to meet the people who are making the Mm -hmm. products and know what they stand for, know what their values are, Mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why I want to have you on the show so people can get to know you more as well and who the woman is behind uh, one of the women, one of the two women behind Squamish Water Kefir. So more on the entrepreneurial side of the business. Um, what is it like being a woman running a business in uh, in this day and age? Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> being a being a mom and being a business owner is definitely um, a juggle, you know, for sure. I mean, if, if my daughter is sick and has to stay home from school, guess where she's hanging out? at my work, you know, she's not at her dad's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, like, we just came off two weeks of spring break and she, you know, I went down to Seattle for, for some work and she, she trucked along with me and, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, one of the things that when Sabrina and I got into this business together, we wanted to, um, create a business where we could be with our kids as much as we could and take them to school in the morning and pick them up after school and and to not have them in before and after school care and that was just a choice that we made at a, and, and of course like we could have been booming even more or could have been more successful blah 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 all of that stuff like we could be answering emails at 10 o'clock at night but that's not what we set out to do from the that was very clear in the beginning of like we had boundaries over our around our life and um so with that I find sometimes you know in the in the morning 
um, when Frankie does see me on my phone trying to organize, like who's coming in to help bottle today or whatnot, she all get this and it just breaks my heart. Mom, you're always on your phone. You're always on your device. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I find the best thing with her is to sit her down, not be busy and be like, I'm just going to get it done really quick. And and then pretend it's not happening. Mm -hmm. If I just pause for a moment and take the time to explain to her, you know, the, sometimes I have to work. I'm not surfing Facebook or Mm -hmm. Instagram. I'm actually setting up my day and, you know, Frankie, I've made this conscious choice to not put you in before and after school care so that I could be home with you. And sometimes that means that I have to put out some fires or, you know, you're seeing me on my on my device. But it's if you were going to before and after school care, you wouldn't see me in these hours. And so then she can have a little bit more understanding, Um, you know, but sometimes I've heard, you know, mom, I hate your work. You know, it takes it takes you away from me. And I think whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom, if you're, my mom always says, you know, she used to resent her mom for working four hours a week. Yeah, of course. So it's like, you know, you work four hours a week, you work, you know, there, there's always going to be, you know, I'm just trying to do my best here. So it is definitely a juggle. I do find as the breaks bittersweet. Like, of course, I, I love that, you know, I could shift my work hours ar- around this. Sabrina took the first, uh, second week off. I took the first week off. It's been and great. I, I worked on my other businesses. Um, but when Sabrina was off, you know, I, it was such beautiful weather that I would teach my class and then s- we would go on a bike ride or do an adventure during the day. And then I'd go in at her dad would take her at nighttime. So I could go in at work and get at nighttime and get the work done. So I was able to jig it around, you know, shift it around. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, as a woman in business, as a mom in business, I'm still the one that's booking all the summer camps. That's, you know, doing the drop off and pick up, making the lunches and, you know, whether uh, I want to say, like, am I enabling (laughs) Frankie's dad to, like, not have to take care of those things? But when I do step up and ask him for support, he's there. He's willing Mm -hmm. to help. But I'm so used to surviving life and just taking it all on. Like, I have a a massive capacity. And sometimes I forget that an act of self-love is asking for help or saying no, actually. I'm really great at it in some areas. But in other areas, I have to actually take a moment, pause and ask for help. So that's a big lesson for me as well. My mm -hmm. husband will constantly like joke and the kids know that this is one of my, probably one of my faults, but as I'm asking for the help, I actually am just getting it done myself. So I'll be like, Hey, can you take that box off the high shelf? And meanwhile, I've already grabbed the chair and I'm standing on the high shelf, pulling it down. And he's like, why do you even ask me to do anything? Right. And it's true though, that if, um, you know, and there is an art to delegation and there is an art to asking for help. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think it's just one of our saboteurs when we're just like, whatever, I'll just, I, you Let's know, do I do my martyrdom. Exactly. Right. It I remember is. a boyfriend seeing me like struggling with all these bags, carrying them into wherever we're going. And he was carrying like 
one thing and I was like so pissed off and he's like well you looked so capable I'm afraid to ask you for help or if you need help because I think you're just going to get so mad at me for asking and I'm like you know what chivalry is not dead yeah my friend and I've bit my mom's head off before when I remember pushing this trying to get the you know new mom pushing a stroller through a door carrying a tea in one hand two grocery bags in the other and she's like here let me help you and I Mm -hmm. actually took offense to it like who are you to say that I can't open a door with a baby like I do it every day when you're not here? And now I look back on that and I was like, what the hell was that? But again, it's that saboteur. It's that like, I need to do it all myself and, you know, or playing the victim or I'm the martyr or whatever it is. And I mean, it's, it's a journey. Well, now you have the awareness, right? Or you're like, we're learning the awareness. Yeah. I would say too, like I have everything. So I have such a good rhythm going on. I've got my day mapped out. It's just when those last minute things come my way, like the last week when Sabrina was off and and I was kind of working double duty, I had a couple people say, oh, I can't come in tomorrow or is it okay if I take this day off? And that's when I'm like really get to practice my yoga because mm-hmm. I'm juggling everything with grace. And then when I get blindsided by a sick day or another pro D day or a, I'm just like, ah, yeah. you know, that's when I really have to. Uh, it's a real test of, um, yeah. Yeah, it is a test. I love this one thing that I learned at the Tony Robbins uh, Business Mastery Program in Florida. I was there in February, and I it's all about managing your time. And we actually have to set aside time in the day for hazards and emergencies and mm. things going wrong and mm-hmm. people calling sick and most of us you know we try and pack our day and say mm-hmm. like I'm capable like we're fully capable of doing mm-hmm. all the things we say we're going to do but until you truly um, get the art of um, putting aside one or two hours for things that can go wrong that's when we truly have a handle on our time and a handle on our life and so I need to Good start to know because I'm pretty much scheduled to the second yeah me too exactly oh my gosh yeah okay that's the net and I love the thing that you shared and I've been using it a lot lately is like no I get to do this mm-hmm. as opposed to I have to yeah I, use I have that to every work day. Every, every time I say like I have to like I feel like I've got this victim consciousness going on I'm like stop it yeah yeah I you get created to- you created this thing it's it doesn't have to be the monster anymore like create create keep creating yeah I get to go pick up my yeah. kids from school. Yeah. I get to take yeah. the day off with my sick daughter. Yeah. I get to uh, pay my taxes because it actually means that you have a business and there's taxes to pay. So it's not like, oh, I have to pay taxes. You're fiscally but, responsible. How, exactly. how good does that feel? Yeah, it feels so good. You know, my t- a spiritual teacher of mine, Deanne Vamal, is in town. And, and one of the teachings that really like got me the other day was he's been teaching a lot on like, are you walking around affected or are you causing an affect? Right? Like, I so we're, we're so affected by our culture and, you know, our conditioning and our, the expectations people put us on us and what have you. Or are we merely reduced to an effect or are we causing an affect? And, um, you know, I, I thought that kind of as well kind of, I think there's that yeah it's like I get to you know I am the creator of the dream I am yeah 
I'm the one driving this thing. Yeah, and how are you molding your life and yeah. molding your community as opposed to being molded by yeah. it? Life is happening from us, not to us. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm going to definitely go back and listen to this part of the podcast a couple times until it actually sinks in and resonates. And, you know, and we talk about it all the time, be the change that you want to be in the world, yeah. right? Instead of just being passive recipients of life just flying by. Because it is, it goes by quickly. And the leaf blown in the wind. Yeah, exactly. You are the wind, baby. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love you are the wind. You are the weather. <laughs> so let's touch on, um, before we wrap things up here, um, I want to talk about breath work because mm. you are, in my opinion, the, the queen of breath work because you've been practicing for so long. Um, you practice many different styles of breathing. You're constantly studying. You just did a recent training in breath work what did you just do yoga nidra yeah yeah psychic sleep yeah tell us yeah. about that and and you know and definitely bringing it back to health because you know we teach in our nutrition and detox training um how important it is to breathe like it's really important for digestion but it's so much more important for mm-hmm. so many things mm-hmm. well you know what really intrigued me about yoga nidra is that um you know, depression and anxiety are so on the rise right now. I mean, you, the word anxiety is, is, is more commonly used as please and thank you, it seems, you know, these days. And um, we're so keyed up. And a lot of people, maybe not so much where we live, but prob- also where we live, um, the are not able to actually experience all the different brainwave states and are living in mostly beta and not experiencing alpha and and theta and and gamma brainwave states. And so what I love about Yoga Nidra is it's a guided relaxation, a guided sleep. You give permission. You actually... um, give consent to your body for some people asking the body to relax is 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 scary or asking Mm -hmm. someone to uh be to trust you with letting go is is not always an easy thing and so putting it on the practitioner the student to um give consent to their own body to go to sleep so your consciousness and awareness can come alive and you actively watch yourself, observe yourself um, going through these different brainwave states and moving from uh, low, mid and high range beta, which you and I are both in right now, to uh, as you start to relax, going into alpha state and theta state. And um, some may even tip over into the gamma state where is that super consciousness. And when we get into these um, beyond the mind, that's where pure potential potentiality exists. And you can rewire your brain. You can resolve um, soul wounds. You can resolve, um, you know, inner conflicts and um, really like shift become superhuman as Dr. Joe Dispenza would, would say. And, um, that really interests me to be able to downregulate your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, if you do not give yourself that opportunity to, uh, 
relax, there's no restoration happening, you know. Um, so, I mean, he, here I am eating all these delicious organic foods and doing these wonderful practices. There's one thing to do it, you know, and then to be that and to be able to come into that state of receiving as well. You do the work and then you need to give yourself an opportunity to actually receive this with the greatest amount of healing happens in these these deep levels of alpha and theta and gamma states yeah it's just like with um sleeping at night too it's you know that we need those eight hours of Mm -hmm. sleep for our body to Mm -hmm. regenerate and if you can allow your your brainwaves to enter into that same thing like the REM sleep Mm -hmm. um, and the deep sleep and the light sleep all three of those stages have benefits for our body to be able to regenerate we're not just talking about you know put the illness on hold or um, just turn things off we're actually talking about regenerating the body and it's so important for the brain to get into that place but by doing um, you know different types of breathing um, and different types of meditation and yoga practices, mm-hmm. then we can essentially optimize our sleep, which totally. is exactly what you're saying, I think. The first thing you do when you come into a yoga nidra practice is you, is you consciously breathe, and it takes you from the sympathetic nervous system, that um, active part of the nervous system, into uh, the parasympathetic nervous system, where you can rest and digest and... Um, yeah. And, and we all need to digest more. hundred percent. Yeah. And then what you can actually do is go in and become your own inner pharmacist. And you can, you can work with your glandular system and help to regulate your hormones, your serotonin levels, your melatonin, mm-hmm. the pineal and pituitary gland. You can actually um, work on building your immune system by asking your thymus gland to release hormones. And mm-hmm. I love that you can actually, through guidance go in and start speaking to your body and your consciousness and and your spirit and heal yourself you know be your own healer and I love that you brought that up because um it's been interesting I've been I read this book called instant healing years ago and and it's interesting because it's so simple anybody can do it and anytime I do it with people they swear that they're instantly healed. And I'm Mm. like, come on, no, Mm -hmm. you're not. Like really, and literally like from physical injuries. And as you explain it this way, you know, and and literally I was going down the road of being like, oh my God, I got to sell the green mustache and I got to stop doing richer health and forget this food is medicine. Like, you know, I'm a psychic healer, but like this is probably the first time I've told anybody this, (laughs) but because of the number of times over the last decade where I've literally done this with so many clients and I just brush it off as being like coincidence, they weren't that injured. But what just happened recently in Hawaii is um, I went there with a dear friend of mine to work with our copywriters so we can work on our books and our next big projects for our business. And um, one of the things is she had not had her period in months. And, you know, we thought, and she thought, well, maybe it's just premenopause and and that's it. And I was like, maybe you're pregnant. She's like, no, I've tested myself a few times. And, you know, she's in her 40s. She's like, and already has three kids. She's a super busy woman. And the thought of having a fourth kid that's unplanned was not in her cards. And, um, but, you know, she said she wasn't pregnant. And so, you know, but she's a woman who going literally from the moment she wakes up 
to the moment she goes to bed. But, you know, she meditates, she breathes, she does yoga. Um, but it's always still just like it is for me, sometimes in this super rush state. So we're not actually like, you know, we haven't calmed our sympathetic or parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system. Going through the actions. Exactly. And it's just actually... It's like checking, it's checking doing the doing as opposed to being. Yeah. Totally. It's like, check, yoga's done. Check, meditation's mm-hmm. done. And, Wait, um, I still feel the same way. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so anyway, and it was crazy for us to get to Hawaii, like the worst time of the year that we could go. But, you know, we find, should we be going? And, you know, we're leaving our three kids each with our husbands and they're busy as it is. And so on the first night I was like, hey, you know what? Let me just try this instant healing thing with you. And so... Um, you know, she laid down and, and I started it and, but sure enough, like she's entering in this deep breathing state, which probably she hadn't been in in a while. And, um, over the course of the next 25 minutes, her belly like blows up, like she's pregnant and it just expands. And she's like, Oh, and I can hear it gurgling. She can hear it gurgling. She's like, Oh my God, that's painful. This is like, and, and I don't know what's happening. She's like, my back hurts like with this band across my lower back. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this feels like you're like almost like everything was like, she was giving birth. And, but you know, I'm like, okay, just keep the breathing going. Just imagining like this circular breath traveling around your body and everything. And so anyway, and I, and I just kind of laughed. I'm like, it'd be so funny if you woke up with your period the next morning, but I'm freaking out thinking like maybe there's something damaged in her body now. Like her belly looked like she was nine months pregnant. So she goes to bed and sure enough, she wakes up and she's got her period. Wow. I know. But now that you mention it like that, it makes me just think that she allowed her body to go into that state. We Mm -hmm. focused on that area of the body and she brought that self-healing there. Mm. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. The breath is powerful. The breath is, you know, as I, I realized that our willingness to take a deep breath, to be conscious of breath is a willingness to, um, engage with the gift of life, you know, to actually be a receiver of life. You know, thank you for this gift. I get to actually take in life, life force. Again, an act of self-love. When we're shallow breathing, we're just cutting ourselves off, you know, not consciously, (laughs) of course, not consciously, of course. Okay, so you have given us so many amazing Mm. tools um, to use everything from, um, you know, how to be first thing in the morning by not having our phone on, how to be a mom that is thriving in this world as an entrepreneur in the world of all the struggles of just being an entrepreneur and being a double mom at that, um, which is, you know, so many people will be like, it's impressive, but really what is impressive is the fact that you prioritize your your hours of your day, you prioritize the things that you value. And so many people can learn from, you know, what you shared with them today. Um, You've given us the gift of just understanding what kefir does in the body and the digestive capacity uh, that it holds to um, provide your body with the necessary digestive enzymes and the the microflora and the probiotics and everything else and the prebiotics that it provides as well. the yoga teacher trainings that you offer. And I hope that everybody listening here wants to jump on one of Kristen's uh, amazing yoga teacher trainings. I know for myself that once, uh, I guess I just need to prioritize it. So it's not that once life slows down, but it actually is one of my priorities to do a yoga teacher training with you. Um, And to just, again, go deeper into myself. It's actually not to do it to want to teach it to anybody else. It's actually just to do it truly for me and to see where it takes me to have myself Mm -hmm. look in the mirror again um, and just see what arises. 
um, from giving myself that time in one of your trainings. Um, so one of the things we should talk about probably, I almost forgot about this, is the fact that we are going to be one day soon offering a yoga and nutrition immersion. Um, so how about this? I'm going to put you on the st- spot. Why do you want to do this with me? Well, you and I had a moment at the Reform Conference last year and you um, you asked me and I was like, with again, spirit answered, hell yeah. And um, this concept of, you know, in a 200 hour yoga teacher training, teaching self-care nutrition or Ayurveda is a very small part of it. And if we are... Um, to be a teacher means that you're a healer and in order to heal our students and to be space holders, we, we need to be on a path of self-healing and yes, yoga and meditation and breath work is a huge part of it, but often overlooked is how we nutrify ourselves with the foods that we ingest as well. And that's definitely your area of expertise. And, um, you know, I, in my 200 hour teacher trainings, the base level teacher trainings, I will touch on uh, Ayurveda very lightly. And often I have people in teacher training, whether they're taking it for for interests, but don't have any plans of becoming a teacher or um, on the teaching path, often will, I can tell they want more of that. And so to be able to collaborate with you and offer people techniques and rituals and, and practices um, in Ayurveda, it's called Dinacharya, that your daily rhythm that is um, aligned with the natural se- the rhythms of the day, but also the seasonal rhythms as well. So to be able, be able to give people tangible tools and techniques to walk away from, nothing crazy, like these are time-tested, tried and true, been around for thousands of years, and they're still around because they work and they're simple. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to take a long time in your day. It's totally accessible. So to be able to give them that and then also to be able to um, be paired with you and, and learn the nutritional detox and some simple techniques as well that, that obviously work, um, I think I mean, I'm really excited about it. I, I don't I don't see any other teacher trainings out there like it. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope that we can open it up to people that either are on the teaching path or wellness practitioners, people that just really want to understand how to um, put that oxygen mask on each day for themselves and how to um, care for the, the ones that they love, whether they're a student, a family member, or a friend in their community. Or themselves. Yeah, first themselves. Yeah. Oxygen max first themselves. Totally. And that's exactly why um, when I saw you that day and I was like, oh, Kristen, I know what our our next uh, move is and it's to merge the yoga and the nutrition together. And it really came from the fact that same thing when I'm doing my teacher trainings um, on the nutrition side, I'm like cramming in like literally 30 minutes of yoga and being like, hey, teach your clients how to breathe, how to stretch, how to, you know, move their body a little bit every day, how to meditate. And you can't teach that in 30 minutes. So I was like, you got to go to the best of the best. And when I saw you that day, I'm like, there's Kristen, the best of the best. And I think it goes twofold, you know, like in you're you're teaching them, you're teaching them all of this heady stuff and like how to Mm -hmm. nutrify themselves. And then 
I find movement is a way to process. 100%. Like walking, running, moving your body is a way for you to take all of that mental energy and to move it through so it lands. And then likewise, in order to be able to digest it, yeah. you need to be eating well in order to sp- experience yourself as spirit, as consciousness. You, it's you know it all comes down to what you're putting in your body, not just mentally, but also how you're the foods that you're eating, the choices that you're making in that way. Um, So I think it it pairs together so well. Yeah, it does pair together so well. Um, And the other reason too, for me was that I was getting all of these clients who were yoga teachers and they were coming to me and like just illness after illness after illness. Um, And meanwhile they would say, Oh, but I eat so healthy. And then Mm. we dive into like what a day of health looks like. Mm -hmm. And it included things like lots of refined processed products, but sure they said organic on it. Sure. They said whole foods on it, but at the end of the day it was a refined package process. And so seeing that the science of what really constitutes plant-based whole food, um, you know, living that there was a gap in the knowledge there. And especially around people who are so aware of like the anatomy of the body and how to move the body, but not, you know, using foods in, you know, in, in ways that were like, well, I eat goji berries and I have maca every single day. And I'm like, yeah, that is not enough to, um, that's not going to constitute health and regeneration of the body. And, and so they were facing similar diseases and realizing that, um, you know, they can go deep so deep into the connection to nature and the connection to their body and miss the whole nutrition part Um, and that was really getting hard to see so that was for me why I realized we needed to merge nutrition and yoga together and really it's that holism you know it's the yoking together Um, and it was just one missing piece in that in, in that yoking together that needed to that needed to happen. So I'm super excited for it. Um, Kristen, does someone have to be a certified yoga instructor to be able to do this? Not at all. No. Awesome. Are they going to get a certification out of it? Yes. What are they going to get? They're going to get uh, um, accredited for hours towards a yoga teacher training or to boost up uh, your hours as a yoga teacher, a certified yoga teacher um, through the Yoga Alliance. There's a um, prerequisite that you keep your hours up. So for continuing education, so you will get that. Um, and, um, that will be more meaningful to some people than others, but you do get a fancy certificate and Nikki, what are you offering them? Well, at the end of this three month program, um, they're going, so it's going to be a seven day, is that what we planned? Seven day kickoff, seven day kickoff, but it's three, it's, it's spread out over seven day week intensive, but there's a three month process it's a three-month self-study yeah yeah with check-ins and yeah we'll we'll be connected through an online community and in person yeah and what I love about this it being a three-month program is that number one you're going to have to eat real to heal you're going to actually have to turn to real whole foods as medicine as vitality as energy plus that combined with this three-month um yoga practice as well um over those three months in yoga study it's going to be amazing to what happens um and i'll just tell you a quick story about a client i had 
who went through one of our nutrition trainings, not the yoga part, but just the nutrition. And, you know, she ended up losing 51 pounds. Wow. She ended up reversing um, a couple chronic diseases that she had. She got this vital energy that was huge, that was like, you know, she had energy to run around with her students and her children. She started creating art at a pace that she had never created art. She's an artist, like galore, like amazing artist. And her work just, it, it was like, it just took on this whole new energy. But one day she went to the grocery store and she called me and she's like, I think I'm having problems with my eyes. And I was like, why is that? And she says, every time I look at the produce and especially the organic produce, she's like, it's glowing. And I was like, what? And she's like, no, it literally, and she's not, she would never classify herself as being a spiritual religious being or anything like that. Yeah. Too woo woo for her. That's voodoo magic stuff. And I was like, I I don't think there's anything wrong with your eyes. I think you're actually like, maybe it's your artistic being has this ability to see colors like you've never seen them before, which was pretty cool. And I've had definitely lots of people say that like when they change their diet, they can see more colors like the forest look brighter and greener and more shades of green. See the forest for the trees. Exactly. That's where that came from. Yeah. And so to be able to couple that with the yoga, I'm Mm -hmm. just so excited for Mm -hmm. what that means for these students who are going to graduate from this program. And also over three months, because what I find is when you do do these deep dive immersions, we decided to make an immersion because it's it's being held up in Pemberton at your retreat center, where for some people that are would be traveling, we realize spacing it over weekends over three months is maybe not that accessible for for some folks um so what i love about making it over three months is that we will experience at least two seasons and so in that or the transitioning from one season to another Mm -hmm. and i find that in order to really um create lasting change you need to stick with something through the seasons because you can be like, oh yeah, okay, winter, perfect. No, like so easy to go to bed early and you know make healthy soups, but then as soon as you know s- spring summer comes, it's like beer on the patio and uh, exactly. you know all night dance parties. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> for I those other people, for there. those people, are, <laughs> not that that's so bad every <laughs> once in a while, but. Uh, yeah, so I think that spacing it over, it's it really like you're going to change your habits You're yeah. gonna by creating this routine. Just like for me, it, it's a no-brainer for me. It's like it's like I'm Pavlov's dog. As I walk down the stairs, I'm rolling on my mat. I don't even think about it anymore. It's just yeah. what I do. Yeah. So, Yeah, and that's exactly what we're trying to achieve with the nutrition side as well. It's that, yeah, the seasons change and you might crave more warm things and you may crave, you know, more cooling foods in the summertime. Uh, but at the end of the day, you would never deviate, though, mm-hmm. from the quality of foods that you put into the body and, yes. um, and the fact that you're going to always aim for high nutrients mm-hmm. um, over, you know, anything package processed. And you're going to also understand the science behind it as well and the ability of, to use those foods to actually reverse disease. So I'm super excited to do this with you, Kristen. Yes. Um, for anybody who's listening, I know your next question is, when are you offering it? And, you know, give us the details. We will have those on our collective website. So Kristen, do you want to tell the world how they can get in touch with you and learn more about everything you do from Squamish Water Kefir to the yoga teacher trainings and just yoga classes that you teach? Yes, you can get in touch with me through my website, which is kristencampbellyoga.com. And Kristen is spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-N. There's no E in my name. K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, yoga 
YOGA.com. And my trainings and events and classes are on there, as well as um, if you're interested in mentorship, there's some information on mentorship on there and a contact form. And for Squamish Water Kefir, it's Squamish, S-Q-U-A-M-I-S-H, water, W-A-T-E-R, kefir, K-E-F-I-R, dot com. Amazing. Yes. So for everyone out there who's listening to this podcast, please, um, yeah, start to think about how you can incorporate some of these beautiful gifts that Kristen shared with you today so you can start being a creator of your life and you can start creating change um, within you first, giving yourself the self-care, the self-love that you ultimately deserve. And then from there, you learn how to create that love and care for your family, for your friends and your greater community. Thanks for being here today, Kristen. And you can always contact me um, through Instagram as well, Kristen Campbell Yoga. And if you have any questions or insights or reflections, I'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear them too. So you know where to contact us at the Re Eat Real to Heal podcast and through Richer Health and the Green Mustache and all that good stuff. Um, we'll have some of the information in the show notes. I'll be getting in touch with Kristen to uh, write down some of the teachers that she's practiced with and so you can get connected um, to some of the additional learnings that uh, are out there. So thanks for being with us and go out there and eat your plants in abundance, in diversity. Uh, Go out there and stretch your body and stretch your mind through yoga and breath work. And we'll see you in the next show. And go back and listen to our previous shows. Uh, We have Beata Bishop who healed herself using the Gerson therapy um, in 1980. She's 95 years old. We just did a wonderful show with her. And of course, listen to Zach Bush podcast that we did two weeks ago. Um, where you can learn all about how to regrow and stimulate your microbiome. And now you know that you can also use kefir to do that too. Bye for now. So did you enjoy that show with Kristen Campbell? Did you learn anything valuable that you can start implementing into your life starting today? You don't have to wait and start tomorrow or on the first of the month or in the summer or when the new year comes around. There's no time like the present to start giving yourself the gift of health and well-being. Here's what I loved most about the show. Besides Kristen's beautiful energy and the plethora of teachings that she generally shared with us, of course. But first... I love this idea of just starting to drink a little bit of kefir every single day. So only just an ounce a day is, you know, really what you can start off with and what is beneficial to your body. Um, It's inexpensive and the benefits are truly priceless. So if you can't afford to buy it, then you know what? You can make it yourself. There are dozens of websites out there that show you how to do this. So go online onto Craigslist or Kijiji and you can buy kefir crystals from people online. Ask your neighbors, ask the health food stores in your neighborhood and they probably have them too. Another thing that I loved, it's this simple message of just, hey, you know what? Start breathing. Yes, we all need to slow down. And even if it's for five seconds a day or five minutes a day, just take in some deep breaths. 
It's the cheapest and most impactful gift that you can give to yourself. And again, if you can't afford or don't want to prioritize taking one of Kristen's amazing classes or teacher trainings, get onto YouTube and search Breathwork Tutorials. There are hundreds of wonderful people out in this world that offer free trainings online. Um, and you can go onto Kristen's site. You can see some of these uh, YouTube trainings as well. But, you know, just get onto YouTube, search Breathwork and learn how to breathe, how to breathe well, how to breathe deep and incorporate this practice into your day every single life. And in my experience, there is nothing better than finding a teacher you love and being with them in person and learning from them face to face. But of course, if you can't make that happen right now, there's truly no excuse because of this marvelous, wonderful technology that exists all around us. So simply do something as simple as the box method, which they teach in Kristen's daughter's school. So that's four breaths in, hold for four counts, four breaths out, hold for four counts and repeat. It's truly that magical. It's truly that simple. And if you just woke up every day and did this one time a day, it will change your life. The second or third thing, I think we're on to the third point that I truly loved. It's this notion of just putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, which means going to get bed early. It could mean addressing your saboteurs and quieting those little suckers, those little fuckers. Quiet those saboteurs and let the goodness that speaks for you and on behalf of you speak louder than those saboteurs. Another thing you can do is just simply make healthy food choices. Every single meal, every single snack, you have a choice. And you know, just take it one meal at a time, one snack at a time, one beverage choice at a time and choose the healthier of the options that are in front of you. And if you don't have healthy options, then you can wait. Intermittent fasting is a wonderful thing. So you can wait 10 minutes. You can wait half an hour until you do have a healthy option in front of you. Another thing that you can do is wake up early even if it's just 15 minutes early and i know how hard this is but wake up 15 minutes of early and early and give yourself 15 minutes a day of screen free time during this time in addition to the breathing you can stretch your body so again even if you can't get to a yoga class you can still spend five minutes a day stretching and most importantly everyone Figure out what's blocking you from truly loving yourself and making that your life work. Make that your mission. Because once you do, once you wholeheartedly, unconditionally love that beautiful being that you already are, that's when you truly get to start living out your already innately given purpose in this world. And that, and then from there, you can start pouring those gifts into your community and giving those gifts back to yourself as well so that we can collectively be the change in this world that is so desperately needed. So let's set an intention today and choose just one small and simple way that you can nurture yourself and reclaim your health and create that infinite vitality that is possible, so possible within us all. So thank you for being with us. If you want more of me and my teachings and offerings, check out my upcoming Eat Real to Heal retreat on Cortez Island, British Columbia. It's happening from May 8th 
to 12th. It's going to be a divine experience. And check out one of our Green Mustache locations and fill your belly up with healing and tasty meals, desserts, and beverages. And eat clean, be well, and bountiful blessings to you all.